Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Joelle. Today we are joined by members of Steep Theater in their newly opened boxcar venue. Steep is the quintessential storefront theater and is committed to producing new and underproduced plays that tell the stories of ordinary people in extraordinary situations. Their current sold-out production, Red Rex, is about a small theater company embarking on an explosive new play with the hope of finally breaking it big and has already been named one of Chicago Tribune's top 10 Chicago shows for 2019. Located at 1115 West Berwyn, you can find this intimate theater just two doors down from the Berwyn L Station. Welcome. Thank you all so much for joining us today. This is by far the largest group we've ever had on location for a podcast. So we're going to start by going around the circle and having you each introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up at Steep. Hi, I'm Kate Piat Eckert. I uh, found Steep as a stage manager actually in 2006. Before we moved to Edgewater, Andersonville area, we were down in Wrigleyville, and I stage managed a couple shows with the company back then. Uh, moved away for a few years, and when I came back, we were in these sweet new digs in Edgewater and looking for an administrative employee. So I joined the team as our first staff member and have been our executive director for about five years. Hi, I'm Peter Moore. Uh, I'm one of the founding members of the company and currently the artistic director. Um, outside of my responsibilities as the artistic director, I'm also an actor, so I perform in a few of the shows here and around town. Um, so I have been with the company since the beginning, which was 2001, was our first show. I'm Sophia Nair. I'm the program coordinator of The Boxcar. And I found Steep six months ago. I saw Birdland and absolutely fell in love with everything the show said and the wait was directed and the wait was done and sort of found an empty space next door and said what's that and that was the boxcar so super happy to be here I'm Sasha Smith. I'm one of the artistic curators for the boxcar um, I'm also an ensemble member and I'm going on almost two years of being in the space but uh, sort of rounding out a year of uh, as being an ensemble member um, I'm also an actor and a choreographer here in the city I'm Thomas Dixon. I'm the other artistic curator at The Boxcar. Um, my first show at Steep was in 2006. I'm a sound designer. Um, so that was my first, my actually my first professional show in Chicago. Um, and then didn't do another show until we were in this new space here and have sort of been around ever since. Hi, I'm Ryan Kling. I am the newest member of the Steep family in the group. I joined to be the bar manager uh, last summer in June of 2016, or 2018, excuse me. I helped Kate and Pete uh, organize the menu and hire some new bartenders and put everything together for our grand opening in August. I am a Chicago native and I've been working in bars and restaurants for about 20 years. In the past two years, I've been doing some theater admin around the city and those two career paths kind of brought me here and I've really loved every minute of it. Steep was founded in 2000 by three actors. Can you tell us a bit more about its origins and history? Yeah, we started off at about uh, 2000 trying to organize a group of people. There's three of us. And uh, the origin story wasn't, that doesn't have the most uh, noble motives. It was more just a couple of actors who wanted to get together and, and work and, and do the plays they wanted to do and have a little more control over, over the product that they were, they were involved in. And, and uh, we threw together our first show uh, for a couple thousand dollars. Um, we did a, a show called Life During Wartime by Keith Redeen. We were an itinerant at the time and rented from Straw Dog. And we cast this. It's a pretty big show. I would say there's probably about 10 or so people in it. And uh, the thinking then was that uh, 
you know, actors have friends who will come see shows and get a big cast in there and they've got a built-in audience. And we did that and sort of found we enjoyed performing that way and like the ensemble feel of that and did it again for our next show. And just over time, uh, really found our love for the ensemble way of working and big ensemble pieces. The stage really felt alive with all those voices on there. Um, so that's where it started as far as the ensemble work. We sort of found our aesthetic as as we moved along in 2003. We found our first space. Uh, we were in Wrigleyville for about five years from 2003 to 2008 and had a lot of success there. Um, and uh, outgrew that space as far as our work and our audience and found this storefront right at 1115 West Berwyn and moved in here. And uh, our old place was kind of a dump. Um, <laughs> Uh, which is maybe generous to say, even a dump. Um, but with through the, the help of the city and our uh, audience base, it was a, I think it was about a two, uh, $250,000 remodeling job. And it's, right now, it's I think it's one of the, the better outfitted and comfortable theaters in the city. And we've made a home in Edgewater ever since. Um, and we love it here. And the ensemble's grown from this. There's three of us to start, three actors, and two of us are left. Um, and the, the group now is for, like 40 something people. If you, if you, if you count artistic associates and ensemble members and that's actors and designers and directors, uh, Kate's our administrator and, uh, the family's expanded and it's sort of a wonderful vibe here. A good group of people. And it's got a real, feels very much like a family, but the, it's, we've, we've enjoyed our time in Edgewater. Well, that was a great thorough answer. Thank you so much. Um, so theater allows the artists and audience to address important social issues in a non-confrontational way and steep hopes to reinvigorate conversations and ensure that theater is a viable, vital, and productive art form. How do we challenge each other's beliefs with respect and compassion and how are plays able to do that? I think one of the things that theater does is um, help us look at the problems that we are grappling with through somebody else's experiences. When a playwright we worked with described theater as practice for life, and you get to see when you make decisions and they go horribly wrong to not make those decisions. Um, and it really, when we're, when we're struggling with something, whether it's sort of emotional or interpersonal or theo theological or theoretical, watching other people battle these demons helps us understand and helps us work through things without it being about us. And it's so easy for us to get defensive with each other and to put up walls. And when we let go of that and let other people take a little piece of our battle for us, it just opens us up to those conversations. And sometimes we get to talk about things. It's the old, um, I have a friend who, but it's never actually your friend. Um, when we, it lets us talk about things on stage which can be talking about the problems that we're facing, but we could talk about a character and say, oh, well, you know, when this couple is having this problem, let's, we could talk about that after the show and dig into how this happens and how it might get resolved. And through doing that, let's us process things that we're dealing with ourselves. Um, and I think particularly in theater of this size, you're watching these plays from four feet away. Um, you can see the sweat and the tears and it's, it's so powerful and so personal and intimate and human. It really sort of breaks down on the defenses that we might feel when dealing with our own issues and lets us sort of experience the world through someone else's eyes, um, which I think is so immensely powerful as we're all trying so hard to 
prove that we're right all the time. It's sort of what, what we all seem to be wanting to do. And theater lets us stop doing that for a second and just look at what the world looks like from a different perspective and see how everyone thinks that they're right and, um, and sort of work through some things from, from, through different eyes and different decision making. So I think it is this really essential, fundamental way that we come together as people. Um, and then there's the just sheer fact of sitting in a room with 55 other people, which we don't get to do very often. Um, you know, there's so much digital content, like this podcast, for example, which is fantastic. And, you know, we love being able to, I mean, the fact that we can access content from all over the world at the tip of our fingers is extraordinary. But really being able to come together and share air and energy with a group of people in a little room is really, really powerful. And, and I think Storefront Theater in particular does that in a really unique way. And I also think what's really wonderful about here, just to, to build on that, is that the experience here... Uh, doesn't end when the lights go down um as kate said you see these people four feet away from you uh sweating and leaving their heart on stage and then afterwards they're in the lobby hanging out and not only are you sharing that moment in the room with them not going through that experience with them in the audience you get to process it with them so that, that feeling that you aren't alone in this and you ask questions and and it, it makes it um a lot more accessible just to have that opportunity to 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 process it with the group in a very casual way, which is um, we've always done the lobby and part of the, the the mission for the boxcar was to expand the opportunities for that as well as the programming, which we'll get into later. Um, but yeah, yeah, the conversations that blossom around that. Rachel Weinberg of Broadway World said, watching Red Rex is a simultaneously gratifying and challenging experience. And that's precisely what makes this play so powerful. Tell us a bit more about this production and the remainder of your 2019 season. Where to begin? Okay, well, first I should point out, this is uh, so this is the world premiere play by Ike Holter, which is, he's one of uh, the most Chicago, uh, the most exciting playwrights working today, not only in Chicago, but in the country and, and in the world. So to have his work here is very exciting. And um, uh, I'm trying to look what Rachel said about it being gratifying and challenging. Uh, it, it is. I mean, it's a story about a, a theater company trying to make its mark on the city and this neighborhood. But um, again, their intentions are not the the most noble necessarily. And it deals with uh, a lot of issues, uh, uh, gentrification and racism and race and uh, ownership of, of storytelling. Um, so it very specifically talks about the Chicago theater scene, but talks about these larger issues. But um, Jonathan Barry, who's the director, is an ensemble member here, and he's directed some some of our most memorable shows. I think he talked about in the first rehearsal speech that I feel being uh, he felt very seen by the show in, in somewhat awkward ways. I think there's you know, there, we, there's behavior on stage that you certainly identify uh, in others and also yourself, and you you go, oh boy, that's that's terrible and funny, but is that, do I do that myself? Uh, so you have to, is that me that that's making that awful mistake on stage right now or doing that, exhibiting that terrible behavior? So I think it, you know, it it's an engrossing show and it brings you and it's, it's vastly entertaining, but it also, it generated a lot of self-examination, at least for me. And I think a lot of, not just for theater people, just to, to see that. So um, 
I don't want to, I, I can get more into the plot, but beyond that, I think that, that's the experience. That was the experience for me, at least, um, and I think for a lot of people. And you mentioned that the show is sold out. It's sold out through February, but we did just open up a bunch of dates in March. So yes, we have uh, we have tickets available in March, and we almost always have last minute cancellations. So coming by the theater a little before eight o'clock and being on the wait list is a great way to get in. So um, your hope is not lost for seeing Red Rex. That is awesome news. Especially for a lot of our staff. I think we were like, let's get into this show. But does anyone else want to talk a little bit more about what else to expect from the 2019 season before we jump into Boxcar here? So, yeah, we have two more shows in the season. uh, And they're both really wild shows. And I'm looking forward to both. Uh, The next one opens in April. It's called The First Love is the Revolution uh, by Rita Kalna-Jace. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I've only discussed uh, contacted through email. She is an Australian playwright who's based in London now. Um, and we just learned she's going to be coming out to work on the play. Uh, it, it premiered in London a couple of years ago, and I think it was done in Boston once, but she uh, wants to revisit a bit. So she'll be out to, to work on it uh, uh, for about a week early on in the rehearsal process. Anyway, it is about a 14-year-old boy and a young fox that fall in love. So quite literally a, a fox. And so it's... It, examines their relationship and their the, the pressures and tensions at home with the fox family and his his situation with his dad and it's populated with moles and dogs and chickens and uh with that in mind it is also a very human story um and it's funny it's wild and it's i think at a time where, where the society seems so tribalistic and fractious that this sort of like this is the good old-fashioned love will conquer all sort of you know we need a little bit of love to, to, to bring us all together story uh so that's gonna be great and then we're doing a uh in july we open pomona by alistair mcdowell uh another uk playwright we produced a show of his a couple of years back hopefully people will remember called brilliant adventures which was about a time machine a young boy who invented a time machine in a um council apartment in northern england so his brother was a drug dealer and they were on their own and he miraculously built built this time machine out of cardboard and it was a wonderful show and this is uh i think it was probably alistair's next show i might be wrong about that but uh this one's really difficult to describe but it's uh it's about a young girl named ollie whose uh sister has gone missing in this sort of mysterious city and pomona is this island this dark mysterious island at the center of the city and when things go bad if you're looking for someone lost that's where you want to go apparently and uh sort of her journey through the underbelly of the city trying to find um find her uh sister Uh, and that's gonna be directed by robin witt who's an ensemble member and she was responsible for um uh layla and co and linda which we just did last year and i and Thomas is designing the sound for that. Um, <laughs> so that's that's what we have on tap for the rest of the season uh, as far as the main stage programming. Well, Steep expanded and opened the boxcar in 2018. Tell us more about the boxcar, how it operates, and its productions. What can folks expect to experience? So last year, uh, we ran a really successful capital campaign that, that Kate and the board organized and and we got a lot of money in to build out this space, and it's really beautiful. And if you haven't come by to see it yet, please do, because it's a really sort of cozy and intimate space. Uh, we have a full bar, and we have free performances every Sunday and Monday night at 7.30. Um, and our goal with those performances is, is, is basically expanding Steep's mission 
into the bar using non-theatrical performance modes. So we have music, we have storytelling, we have comedy, we have lectures and discussions, all of that sort of thing. And it's, it's a really sort of wonderful opportunity to continue your steep experience after seeing a show, uh, coming over and having a drink and talking with artists and sticking around and, and seeing other artists do something that is in the same world of storytelling and in the same sort of human connection. Um, and, and building the community through that is really important to us. And with the space being so cozy and intimate, I feel like once you see a performance here, that's that element is also a part of it. Um, just like Kate said with our theater, like you can't hide from the people that are four feet away from you. You see the sweat and tears, you know, you see, you see the strings break in here. You, uh, you have the conversations with the performers as they're performing. Um, and it feels sort of like being in someone's living room watching a performance, but they have a really stylish, cozy living room. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's absolutely true. We just started our first residency with the Winchesters. They're a local Chicago band, mostly made up of actors and and uh, musicians. Um, but they're here f- the the fourth Monday of every month for the next four months uh, through April. Um, but their their first night a couple weeks ago, uh, they they played a bunch of brand new songs and worked through the songs and sort of stopped and asked the audience what they were thinking about the songs as they were doing it and changing lyrics and changing chord structures and adding bridges to the songs. And it was a really sort of wonderful, fun way to connect with artists and sort of peek behind the curtain and see what the process is like artistically. Um, so there's three more of those, and I would encourage everyone to come check them out because they're, they're a wonderful band and just wonderful people, and it's really exciting to see how they work. Along with uh, our residency, we've also started to feature artists. Um, and we, visual visu- Excuse me, visual artists. So we have, right now we have Ken Ellison, who does sort of these beautiful, I wouldn't call them tapestries, but almost like painted quilts. Um that are featured in our space right now and he'll be up for the next four months uh and then we try to cycle those out every four months so it's yeah you're getting a performance or an experience well-rounded in here a holistic artistic experience holistic artistic (laughs) experience yes (laughs) ryan do you want to tell us a little bit about the bar scene here at the boxcar I think what I'm most excited about with the bar is that people come in and they always compliment how it's uh, the music's not too loud and it just feels like a nice place to come and have conversation. And I think that kind of goes with what you guys were saying about the uh, whole steep brand, a place to conversate and get to know one another. And I think what I always tell people when I describe the bar to them is that we're kind of crossing the line between a theater bar and a neighborhood bar because lots of locals have been coming in and making it their spot to stop on the way from the train, on the way home from work. Because as of lately, people will come in and say, oh, we've needed this for so long because the only thing around was Miss Sally's, which closed a few years ago, or I'm new to the area, so a year or two ago. And I think uh, that's really been fun to watch a sort of neighborhood clientele build, as well as the uh, theater goers who love to come in. And a lot of people are just coming in for the Sunday and Monday performances, too, which is awesome. A lot of regulars coming in just for the performances. 
And the Bark program is uh, continuing to grow. We're featuring a lot of local brews. We just started carrying some uh, empirical beer, which is right down the street here in Andersonville. And we also have a lot of really fun craft cocktails that we continue to work on and expand. And we like to have a featured craft cocktail with each show. In addition to what Thomas, Sasha, and Ryan just said, one of the most interesting things about the boxcar for me is that we we're looking to attract newer audiences. Um, so we often have, like Ryan said, we have a lot of people walk in and say that, oh, we like didn't know that this was here and this is so great and we're so glad there's a neighborhood bar. And then we see them starting to make connections with one another and have conversations not only with the artists but with each other, which like really ups the Edgewater community and that's exactly what we want to do. And those conversations are just so exciting for us. Actually, in that similar uh, similar vein, a friend of mine popped in the other night and um, a guy who just lives around the corner sort of stopped in and they got to talking and ended up going on a date later that night until three in the morning and are like continuing to see each other. So who knows, you could pop into the boxcar and have a love connection. <laughs> yeah, have you ever had like a steep proposal or anything like that we had our first boxcar proposal here just a couple weeks ago it was during a um, variety show of sorts and a young lady was doing a interpretive dance with a flag and at the end of it her (laughs) at the end of it her girlfriend was right in the front row and she got down on one knee and proposed to her right there it was really wonderful a really wonderful moment So now um, we're going to kind of have you all just explain a little bit about what brought you to theater. I know everybody kind of has a different path when it comes to this profession and uh, what drew you to the dark side, so to speak. I'm just joking. It's a great profession. Uh, So I've been doing theater as long as I can remember. My mom is a director, and I think she made a little stage manager because she needed one. And I don't really remember a time before theater. I grew up backstage and watching plays and involved in productions. Uh, I took a a very brief hiatus from theater to cook and realized I missed it more than I could handle and came back. Uh, And then sort of transitioned from production work into administration, which I love, especially in a setting like this, where my office is literally backstage and I'm still very much involved in the production work, but I get to have um, an impact that's sort of broader than one show at a time. So it's it's fantastic. But yeah, I've been doing it my whole life. Uh, I was actually, I think, just a, a movie nut as a kid. I guess I saw theater as my gateway to the movie industry, which is really working out well for me. Uh, <laughs> any decade now. No, but I, I did as much as I could in high school and fell in love with it. I went to college, not thinking I'd continue, but I did. And then uh, I didn't grow up in Chicago, but moved out here. Uh, quite a while ago, just drawn by the sort of the legend of Chicago theater and Chicago style and made a home here ever since. Yeah, I've been making plays my whole life. I grew up in India, so I kind of would just watch Bollywood movies and then recreate experimental versions of them, like making my own costumes out of pillowcases and like breaking everything in the house just to like make a play. Um, And yeah, I don't think I've ever (laughs) looked back or thought differently since then. Yeah, I also don't think I had much of a choice in the matter. Um, My father is an actor and my mom uh, was a comedian. And I was four years old watching my father play uh, Walter in A Raisin in the Sun, um, which was the first show I ever saw. And then shortly followed by Little Shop of Horrors, where he was Audrey too. Um, So I got the, the full breadth of theater sort of in my home. And... 
I think I started out in the more presentational musical theater, children's theater world. Um, but the more that I fell in love with it and the more that I, I grew and uh, started to realize that the real magic of theater is based in humans, the more I was pulled towards um, your more sort of naturalistic or realistic plays um, where I think that's sort of where I've found myself sort of landing here at steep is, you know, it's as honest as possible, uh, is, is the theater for me. I grew up in Minneapolis and my grandmother took me to see a lot of plays at the children's theater company there. And they do really sort of elaborate magical work. Um, so it was always sort of part of my mindset and I did a lot of community theater and, um, sort of realized I wanted to be serious about being an actor uh, when I was in middle school, because I was a huge Star Trek fan, and my my career goal was to be on Star Trek, um, and that that hasn't worked out yet. Um, and I sort of transitioned to sound design in in college after after taking a required design course and sort of realizing that there's magic to be made off stage as well as on stage. I auditioned for your good man Charlie Brown my freshman year of high school, which if you've Heard my karaoke performances, you probably know how well that turned out. So I ended up painting props backstage. <laughs> and um, I fell in love with the magic of this, you know, high school production. And the drama club, like, took me in as one of their own almost immediately. So I think that's where my love for theater began. And I've really found at a home ever since there, whenever I'm with you people, you steep people. <laughs> if you would like to hear Ryan's karaoke voice, we do have karaoke occasionally. <laughs> well, this week is a part of the annual Chicago Theater Week, and 2019 has also been named the Year of Chicago Theater by the City of Chicago's Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events. What are Steep's goals for this landmark year? Yeah, I think sort of our Steep's goals for the Year of Chicago Theater are aligned with the city's goals for the Year of Chicago Theater and particularly with um, the 25 or so theaters that call the Edgewater-Andersonville area home, uh, which we are, we have collected ourselves into the Edgewater-Andersonville Theater District, which if you haven't explored yet, there is a wealth of theater in, Chica in, in Chicago, but specifically in this neighborhood and of all different styles and types and sizes, and there's really something for everyone. So I think what, what we are hoping is that everyone in Chicago will see a play this year, and specifically everyone in Andersonville and Edgewater will see a play this year. You can probably walk to a theater from wherever you're standing right now and um, pop over and see what they have showing and check out a play. There is, There are scores, if not hundreds, of shows happening every weekend across the city, and there's really, I mean, from musicals to comedy to dark and gritty drama and everything in between. There are so many types of theaters and there are little theaters like Steep where you will be four feet away and there are giant spectacle theaters downtown where you know you will be seeing some of the most magical things that you won't believe are real and think must actually be on film but they are actually happening in front of you. Um, so there is every type of experience you can be looking for and uh, it's it's not like anything else. You know, we, we see movies and film and television and we get together with our friends, but there is something so very unique and special about theater that if you haven't been, if you haven't seen a play, 
walk down the block and check one out. Um, you really can't go wrong. There is nothing to be afraid of. And, uh, and I think you will, you will come out a little bit different than you went in. And that is a really special thing. So that is what I'm hoping for the year of Chicago theaters, that everyone will see a play. And if you're already seeing a lot of plays, check out a theater where you haven't been before. Um, there are, you know, I am a creature of habit. I order the same thing at restaurants every time I go. I know how easy it is to get into patterns, but there is so much diversity and wealth of theater in the city that check out one where you haven't been find an artist who you like and see what their next show is which might be across town um, or just you know google theater in chicago and you will find a list of over 250 theaters producing work here so uh, see what there is to explore there is a great calendar on alderman harry osterman's website that lists every play happening in the neighborhood on every night of the week there is very rarely a night of the week where there isn't a play happening in this neighborhood. So there's a lot to see. If you go to edgewater.org slash theater, there's a list of all of the theaters that are producing um, in our community in Edgewater and Andersonville. So there's a lot to explore and probably some you haven't heard of. When we first brought the Edgewater Andersonville Theater District together, I thought I knew all the theaters in the neighborhood. I knew like a third of them. Uh, there are so many and they're doing such interesting work. So, and like I said, you can probably walk to one right now. So go check one out. And when this episode airs, um, which is soon, um, we will also have a Year of Chicago Theater landing page on the Andersonville.org website. Um, You'll be able to find that via the neighborhood tab at the top of the website where we'll list Steep and all of our member theaters with direct links to Harry Osterman's uh, website there as well as the districts. And besides buying tickets and attending the show, how else can folks specifically support Steep? There are really two ways, and I think one is like most theaters, we are a not-for-profit, and you can make a direct, you can just bring dollars to us. You can make a a tax-deductible contribution. Yeah, I mean, a single-dollar bill actually has a huge impact. For the work we do on stage, I am never, I'm constantly amazed by what our design teams and production teams turn our theater into with a really tiny number of dollars. Um, It's so really any gift has a huge impact on the work that's happening on our stage, the artists we're able to bring into the boxcar, on just the entire programming structure here. It all happens with a tiny amount of money and a whole lot of heart and effort. So you can be a part of that with any amount you can give. Um, We're also always looking for volunteers. And I think the biggest thing that we ask anyone who says they want to help Steep do is talk about it. Uh, Our work is about conversation, so see a play and talk about it. Or even if you haven't seen a play, next time you're you're at a networking event or a dinner party and looking for something to bring up, hey, did you know that Edgewater has 20 theaters? Is a great conversation starter. So just talk about theater. Talk about Steep in particular if you'd like to. Um, But the more that theater is part of our regular everyday conversation, the more people are coming in the door to seeing plays, the more young people are seeing theater as a career that they might have, then the better our entire world flourishes. So yes, bring us a couple dollars if you can, but whatever you're doing, talk about theater and talk about Steep and talk about the work that you're seeing, and we will all grow together. And when you come to see a play at Steep or a performance at the Boxcar, bring a friend with you who's never been here before. It's always great to have new folks and introduce them to everything that we do here. And now we've reached the portion of our show when we ask our guests which Andersonville business they would like to work at for a day and why. I have two answers. Either women and children first because they always have great readings that I never seem to have the time to get to. Or the, uh, what's the comic book shop on Clark 
cat something alley cat. alley cat yes that it would be my second choice i would like to work at lost larson for a day because the only thing i like more than theater and performance and star trek is bread <laughs> uh so I, w- I would make sure i made a lot of mistakes so i'd have to eat them and just because <laughs> they do really meticulous work and turn out a really great product that i could eat all day um so yeah that would be me I think I'm with Ryan that it would also be women and children first, especially during um, the drag story time. That's so fun. <laughs> I think with, I'm with Ryan on the other one, the Alley Cat um, comic book store. That's so hard to find, but it's so fun. <laughs> I think I go with uh, Toys Etc. So I love those folks, and then my kids might actually respect what I do. And, uh, I was shocked. I'm shocked that I'm not doing battle with everyone else for this, but I would work at George's Ice Cream because it's hard for me to ever not leave. Um, we in theater, we have a lot of, you know, meetings with, you know, coffee meetings and drink meetings. But in the summer, my rule is I don't have coffee meetings. I only have ice cream meetings and I have as many of them as possible at George's. It's a wonderful place to be. Well, thank you all for joining us today, and thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Steep and the Boxcar, please visit steeptheater.com. Show notes on today's episode can be found at andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is engineered and edited by Andy Miles in Studio C at Transistor, a gallery, shop, performance, recording, and teaching space located at 5224 North Clark Street. Have your own podcast idea? The studio is available to rent. Please call 872-208-5877 or stop by the store for details.